Welcome to our Freedom Church online Sunday service. It's really great to have you with us. My name is Kathy Kelly. And my name is Mark Kelly, and we're part of the leadership team here at Freedom Church. And it's so good to be able to connect with you like this. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'd really appreciate it if you could give it a thumbs up and a like while you're watching. That helps YouTube's algorithms understand that people might want to watch this and we'll show this video to more and more people around the internet. And if you're watching this later on on Facebook, hit that like button as well, again, for the same reasons. Coming up today, after we worship together, we have Dave Horsfall from Mosaic Church in Leeds sharing with us. He was due to share with us physically in our church building at the end of May, but we're not there. We're not going to be there. And so he's kindly put together a video of a really great message, which I hope you will uh, enjoy, but get something really deep out of it as well. It's, it's so good what he has to say. And in a few moments, we're going to take the opportunity to worship together. And I wanted to share um, a part of a psalm with you. I've been reading a lot of the psalms over the last few weeks and finding so much encouragement in them and strengthening in them. And they're challenging as well. Um, and this one particular part that I read was from Psalm 55 verse 17. And it says this, Every evening I will explain my need to him. Every morning I will move my soul toward him. Every waking hour I will worship only him and he will hear and respond to my cry. And the bit that really jumped out to me was the part which says I will move my soul toward him. And worship is an opportunity for us to move our soul, that deepest part of who we are, that part that actually we can't put into words really, but to move ourselves to worship God. He's so worthy of our praise. Whatever has gone on this week, it might be really rubbish stuff that's happened to you or been said to you, or you know, you might have had some really challenging stuff going on, or you might feel on top of the world, praise God. But whatever we're feeling or whatever we've been through, we can come before God this morning and it's a chance to reconnect ourselves with him, to move our souls towards him. So let's worship together.
Church. Uh, my name's Dave. I'm one of the elders at Mosaic Church uh, here in Leeds, and I'm the director of something called Leeds School of Theology. And um, it's a real privilege to get to speak to you this morning. I wish that we could be doing this in person. I wish I could be seeing you all face to face. But I'm really appreciative to Mark and Kathy for inviting me to share something with you via uh, via this video. Uh, given everything that's going on with uh, COVID-19 at the moment. Uh, welcome, welcome to uh, my study. Uh, this used to be uh, one of our uh, child's nursery when they were younger. And we so we painted a tree on the wall. If you're wondering why there's a kind of purple bird on the wall behind me. Um, and this is now this is now my study uh, slash spare bedroom slash clothes drying room slash video recording studio. But I hope wherever you're watching this video this morning that you're really comfortable, but you're also really expectant that God is going to speak to you this morning and God is going to meet with you. Uh, I've got some notes down here in front of me, which is why I'm just going to be looking down. Um, and I want to I want to share with you a story this morning. It's a story from the Old Testament, from the book of 1 Kings 19, chapter 19. And it's a story about a man called Elijah. And I want to share this story with you because this story helps us to ask a question. And it helps us to ask the question, 
how do we cope? How do you cope with the struggles of life? How do you cope when life gets really hard and really difficult? You know, right now we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, and um, that's that's producing a whole load of struggles for us. And um, whether it's uh, that we're we're suffering with the virus ourselves, or we know people who are sick or in hospital, or whether it's the isolation, being stuck at home on our own, or being stuck at home just just with our immediate household. Whether it's financial insecurity, you know, we don't know how much income we're going to get for the rest of the year, or we don't know if we've got a job that we're going to go back to. Or it's just not being able to be with the people that we love, not being able to be with church family or our friends. That is all happening on top of the normal difficulties of life. We've got everything going on with coronavirus at the same time as all the normal struggles that we face day to day. Things like your flat roof is leaking or you've got a flat tire on the car or you've just got a long to-do list or the, the shops have run out of the stuff that you need to the kind of uh, medium-term problems of the state of our relationships, the state of our bank accounts or, or the bigger things that we carry around with us, the hopes and the dreams, but also the pain and the disappointment of what's happened in our past. Life can be really difficult sometimes and quite a lot of the time we're nearly always carrying something with us which is quite hard so I want us to ask a question this morning how do we cope with the struggles of our lives now the story I'm going to share with you about Elijah is a story that really helps us because it's a story that shows us that God really does care about us uh, that we can come to God with our struggles and that we can have hope that God is always at work to change and transform us even when it looks like everything is out of control and a complete mess. So uh, we're going to be reading this story from 1 Kings chapter 19. If you've got a Bible you might want to uh, grab it and turn there. Uh, don't worry if you don't have a Bible to hand at the moment. We uh, the, the slides, the words of the story will come up on the screen so you can follow along. So we're going to start in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some break, uh, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lie down again, lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he, there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat over Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Before we unpack that weird and wonderful story, let me just pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray for all those who are gathered watching this video today, that in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our difficulties, you, by your spirit, would come and meet with us. We would know your presence with us. We would know uh, your love for us today. And God, you would equip us today to come to you with our struggles so that we might hear your voice, hear what you have to say to us this morning. Amen. So this is a weird and wonderful story. And um, I just want to quickly catch you up to speed with what is going on um, at this time. What's the bigger picture that lies behind this story? Well, God's people, they're in crisis. There's a political breakdown. The, the 12 tribes of God's people have broken into two factions. And there's also religious idolatry. God's people are meant to worship, well, God. And they have turned and they are worshipping other gods and they are worshipping the false god of Baal. And Elijah is sent to, to pronounce judgment on God's people. He says there will be no rain for three years if God's people don't turn back to him. And Elijah, God's prophet, is opposed by one of the kings of God's people, King Ahab. And they basically have this big showdown on Mount Carmel. The people of God on one side and the prophet of God, Elijah, on the other. And the people of God, they look to the 450 false prophets of Baal to be their help. They look to the false God of Baal to win the day, whereas Elijah looks to the Lord God Almighty in heaven. This showdown is really Yahweh versus Baal and who will win the day. And the result of the showdown is Yahweh is shown to be the one true God. And judgment ends, Elijah prays and the rains come again. But what happens next is that Elijah still faces opposition. King Ahab's wife Jezebel wants to kill Elijah for what he's just done. And so Elijah flees for his life. And this is where we meet Elijah in the story. And what we see is Elijah is done. He has had enough. In verse three, it says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah is done. He's afraid because the full force of the king and the army is out to get him. Do you see he lets his servant go? His servant there was there to aid his role as a prophet. By letting his servant go, Elijah's basically saying, I'm done with this ministry. I'm done with this calling from God. I don't want to be a prophet anymore if this is what it gets me. He journeys alone into the wilderness. He's done with people. He doesn't want to be around anybody anymore. And then he sits down under this bush and prays that he might die. He's out of strength and he's out of hope. He's done his best work on Mount Carmel, where he faced down those false prophets and it didn't lead to national repentance. It only led to him being threatened. So he says, I'm no better 
than those who went before me. They didn't manage to corral God's people back to worshiping God and neither have I. It's too much for Elijah. The weight of what he is carrying overwhelms him and he wants out. What are you carrying today? As you're watching this, what else is going through your mind as you lie in your bed at night trying to sleep? What thoughts go through your mind? What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What are the things that uh, seem to uh, haunt your thoughts all through the day? What are you carrying? Imagine it a little bit like this. Every day we wake up and we put on a backpack and the backpack is filled with all the stuff that we're carrying around for the day. Those immediate day-to-day things, the, the bigger picture, our health, our relationships, but also those deep-seated moments of pain and difficulty in our past alongside the deep-seated hopes and desires we have for the future. It's like we stuff it all in our backpacks each morning and carry it around with us during the day. Do you know what's in your backpack at the moment? Do you know what you're carrying? You know, I'd encourage you at some point this week, maybe even this afternoon, to take some time, get a pen and a piece of paper or a laptop and just just write out the things that you think, oh, this is on my mind at the moment. or This is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm carrying at the moment. I did this a, a few weeks ago and I just started to write a list and the list just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And everything that I put down on the list had a little had five or six things attached to it, other things that I was worried about. If this happened, then what about this? Or I'm worried about that person. I'm also worried about that person. I realized that I was actually carrying a lot. I realized there was a lot of stuff in my backpack. You know, it's so important that we're aware of what we're carrying so that we can bring what we're carrying to God, so that we can invite invite God in to help us with what we are carrying. Elijah was carrying a lot. In fact, what he was carrying was too much for him. And we see him at breaking point. It's all become too much for Elijah. So when you know what you're carrying, carrying in your backpack, the next question is, how are you doing at carrying your backpack? How are you doing at carrying all the things that we take around with us each and every day? How are you doing at carrying your load? You know, I think there are a couple of dangers that we face when we recognize how much we're carrying or what some of the things we're carrying are. The first danger is we could ignore it. We try to just keep going. We act as though everything's fine. I wonder if that sounds familiar to you, if the kind of uh, head in the sand approach is is your approach or whether uh, somebody that you know, you're thinking, ah, that's what they do. The problem with that approach is it's really short term. It's a really short term solution. Eventually, what we're carrying will catch up with us. We'll have to deal with it sooner or later. But the longer we leave it, the more complex the problems often become. You know, what begins as a small debt suddenly has become uh, a, a large financial difficulty. What begins as a small symptom develops into uh, ill health that gets worse and worse. What starts as a little warning sign grows into this full on emergency. And another thing about ignoring our struggles is it also causes a lot of pain to the people who are around us. You know, when you're struggling and when things are hard, the people who are close to you can see it. They can sense it. And they almost certainly want to talk to you about it and help you with it. But if you ignore it, if you say everything's fine, what you end up doing is you actually push them away from the problem and it ends up causing them pain. They basically have to watch you struggle and find it difficult until you explode or you break down. Ignoring our struggles doesn't make them go away and it's not easier on those who are around us. So if the first danger is ignoring it, the second danger is we over-spiritualize our struggles. We might say things like God's refining me or he's testing me or he's taking me through a trial or this is my burden to bear, my cross to carry. And you know what? There might be some truth in some of those statements. But again, over spiritualizing our struggle tends to do a couple of things as well. 
again, it pushes people away. We make it out like this is just between me and God. So the people who want to help feel like they're kept at arm's length. And the second thing is it can create quite a distorted picture of who God is. You might end up creating an image of a God who brings trial and suffering and pain to your door, who isolates you from others who might want to help you so that you have to deal with it alone. I think I gently want to say that that image of God is, is more about us and how we're attempting to cope than it is an accurate reflection of who the God of the Bible is. I wonder if you see that tendency to over-spiritualize struggles in your own life. You know, Elijah's reached breaking point. It's all too much for him. Let's see how God responds to Elijah, because that's so helpful for how God responds to us when we're struggling. And what we see is God takes care of Elijah. Starting in verse five, it says, all at once an angel touched to him, touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by the food. And then he does this huge journey, 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Horeb. And then he goes and spends the night in a cave. What's the first thing God does for Elijah? He cooks. God cooks for Elijah. He gives him food. He gives him water and he lets him sleep. God knows Elijah can't deal with anything else until he's rested and recovered his strength. This is so important what this reveals to us. God cares about you. God cares about how you are doing. God cares about you more than you care about yourself. God is not just concerned with how fruitful you can be for his kingdom or how much you can achieve in your life. He has cared about your well-being. He's cared about your flourishing. He's cared about your, your weight, your exercise, your health, your finances, your prosperity, your sleep patterns. He cares about it all because to God, you are his beloved child. It gives him great delight to watch over you, to look after you, to care for you. When we recognize the stuff that we are carrying in our backpacks, the stuff that we are struggling with, we will only come to God with those things if we really trust that he actually cares about us, that he cares about the big things that we're carrying and the small things as well. Do you know God doesn't delight in burnout or breakdown or denial or people being overwhelmed? None of that gives God any pleasure. At Elijah's breaking point, God comes with a meal, some water and some sleep. He cares about Elijah and he cares about you too. God looks after Elijah and then he invites Elijah to be with him because he's going to speak to Elijah. Uh, Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai, where God had met Moses. And God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Who needs the question? Who needs that question? Uh, does God, the one who knows everything, need to ask that question? Not really. God already knows the answer. Elijah needs the question. But God knows Elijah needs to be asked what is going on. What are you doing, Elijah? How's it going? And Elijah's response is that he gives God both barrels. He gives God all of his raw emotion. Verse 10, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Basically, I've given you everything, God. The Israelites, well, they've rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one. Everyone else has left you, God. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. I stuck with you, God. What did I get for it? They're trying to kill me. God invites Elijah to be with him 
because God knows Elijah needs to be honest with God about how he is feeling and how he is doing. Elijah needs to give all of his frustration, all of his complaints to God. How are you doing at taking your struggles to God? How are you doing at being honest with him? How are you doing at sharing your frustration and your complaints with God? God cares about you. He wants you to bring yourself to him in all your honest rawness. You know, in the Bible, God invites us to bring our lament to him, our complaint, our frustration, because, you know, God can cope with it. God can cope with everything that we bring to him. And God is the one who wants to hear what we have to say. You know, the Psalms are full of songs and poems and writings where the authors are expressing their pain, their disappointment, their sadness, the desires of their hearts. And God invites you to do the same today. He invites you to come before him and say, this is what I want to happen. This is where I feel frustrated. I feel you let me down there. I'm carrying all this stuff and it feels like it's too much for me. I wonder what that might look like for you. For some of you, you'll just want to write it down. And it might be a really long list that you write down. For some of you, you might want to sing it out or pray it aloud. For others, you might want to get on a Zoom call with a friend and talk it through with them and pray and bring it to God. It doesn't really matter the vehicle we choose to bring our frustrations to God. What matters is we bring our frustrations to him. You know, it's really easy for us to complain to one another, to share our frustrations with one another. And, and I'm not saying don't do that. There's a lot of mutual support that can come in sharing something and hear somebody go, that's really hard. But it's only when we bring our frustrations to God that we're really inviting him in to those broken places in our hearts, those places where we long for him to, to help us, to change us, to be at work. That's what God knew Elijah needed. And Elijah's really honest and open with God. And what we see is this is when God meets with him. When Elijah's brought all his broken rawness, his vulnerability, this is when God decides to meet with him. Verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, God sends four manifestations of his presence. It's not a coincidence that we get fire, earthquake and wind all happening at this time. And God has used all of those ways to reveal himself to people when it's been appropriate. So to Job, he comes as a whirlwind to the people at Sinai. And after Jesus's resurrection, God's presence causes an earthquake to Moses. God was a fire in a burning bush. But to Elijah, God is this still small voice, this gentle whisper. That's what Elijah needed, the stillness, the quiet, the place of rest in order to hear God's voice. When you bring your struggle to God, God is going to meet with you in the way you need him to. God will draw close and reveal himself to you in a way that is most suited to get your attention. The spirit of God is described as a counsellor the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding. He draws close and he gently leads us and guides us. And when we're ready, the spirit of truth speaks the truth that we need to hear in our hearts. It might not always be comfortable, but it's always done out of the immense love that God has towards us. And God again asks Elijah, what are you doing here? And you know what? Elijah gives him exactly the same complaint, word for word. He says exactly the same thing as what he said before. But now we see that God is going to speak to Elijah's heart. God is going to reveal something about himself to Elijah that's going to help Elijah in his struggles. God reveals to Elijah that he is despondent and despairing because 
He's actually stopped trusting God. He stopped looking to God and he's looked to himself and he started trusting in himself. Elijah thinks if this is how things are going, if the nation isn't repenting and people are trying to kill me, then God must not be at work. His plan must have failed if I'm not seeing it. And what we see is that Elijah's put his trust in himself, what he can see in his own plan, not in who God is. And so God tells Elijah from verse 15, go back the way you came, go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, uh, from Abel Mahola to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape, who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all who, whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You know, God reveals something to Elijah in this moment. He reveals to Elijah, I'm at work even when you cannot see it. My plans and my purposes are still being outworked, even when it feels like everything is going wrong and your part isn't making any difference. God reveals there's still 7,000 who serve me. Elijah isn't alone. He reveals Ahab's not going to prosper and be victorious. God's going to establish a new rule. God's going to uh, establish justice in the face of injustice. What God is actually doing here is he's giving Elijah a fresh revelation of who he is. God is at work even when we don't see it. God's plans and purposes continue even when it looks like they're thwarted. When we bring ourselves to God, when we bring our rawness, our honesty, our vulnerability, God reveals himself to us. He reveals to us, this is who I am and you can trust me. You can trust me to help you in the deepest, darkest, hardest places in your heart. Let me give you a little example from my life. Um, uh, last year, I recognised something was off. Something was off in my life. And the first thing I noticed was what counsellors call leakage, which is a lovely term. And basically, it was my fuse was really short. I was really snappy. I was annoyed. And it was this little warning sign. Something's not quite right. So what I did was I got a couple of people together and I said, look, I'm noticing this anger and I think it might be connected to a particular person in my life who's hurt me and I feel really frustrated with them. And then they prayed for me. And as they prayed for me, I also spoke to God about how I was feeling. I was really honest before them and before God. I feel really angry. In fact, I feel enraged towards this person. And, you know, as I prayed, these words from scripture came to mind from Luke chapter seven. God spoke to me. God revealed something about himself to me. It was these words. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. God revealed to me part of the reason I was so angry. Part of the reason I was finding it hard to love this person was that I'd forgotten how much I needed God's forgiveness. He revealed to me, Dave. You've become proud in your heart. You think you're okay. You've forgotten how much you need me. It was only God that knew that that's what I needed to hear, what the true state of my heart was. But he needed me to bring that, that raw honesty, that vulnerable, broken place to him so that he could speak into it. What the story of Elijah helps us with is Whatever we're struggling with today, the way we can cope with our struggles and not just cope, the way that God can step into our struggles and transform them, transform them is by trusting that God really does care about you, really does care about how you're doing and what's going on in your life. That God invites you to bring your, your raw honesty to him about how things are going and about how you feel. What is going on in your heart? And to ask God to reveal himself to you, to ask God to speak to you about the situations that you bring to him. And, you know, because God cares about you and because God is gracious, he will speak to you and he will reveal himself to you in a way that you can grasp hold of and understand. 
God by his spirit will step into the broken and wounded places of your heart and bring about change and transformation and healing so that incrementally we're able to trust God more, we're able to love God more in our day-to-day, and we're able, because of those two things, to live for God more in our day-to-day life because we have a greater awareness of who he is and what his plans and purposes are for us and for the world. God will help you take the next step today. It might be a small step or it might be a big one, but it'll help you see what the next thing to do is. It might be that you need to repent. That's what I needed to do. I needed to turn back to God and turn away from looking to myself or uh, other things. Or it might be that you that you need to receive something from God today, his forgiveness or his comfort or his healing or some truth about who you are in his eyes. To end, I would love to pray for you. I want to pray that you become aware today of what God wants to say to you and that you are opened up to that healing and that transformation that the spirit of God wants to bring about in your hearts this morning. So if you're comfortable, why don't you close your eyes with me? I'm just going to leave a moment of silence and then I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you just allow the things to come into your mind that have maybe been worrying away during the service, the things you're worried about, the things you're anxious about, anger, frustration, sadness, disappointment, hopes. Heavenly Father, we bring you those things this morning. God, we lay them before your feet. We say, this is how I am feeling today. This is how I am doing today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak truth to our hearts. Please come and reveal to us who our God in heaven is to us today. Make us aware of your voice and what you are saying to us. Transform our hearts afresh, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was wonderful to get to share with you this morning. God bless you all, and I hope you have a great week. of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this I hold my hope is only jesus for my life is wholly bound to his oh how strange and divine i can sing all is mine yet not i but through christ in Right.
really thankful for Dave for sending that through and for us being able to share his word with you today. I think there's a lot in there that is both encouraging and something to chew on as well. Um, got a few things coming up this week. The first thing is today. Yep, right after this at 12.15 there is a Freedom Church Hangout via Zoom and that's going to be for 30 minutes so you can pop into that and pop out, you can stay the whole 30 minutes. It's just an opportunity to see each other's faces, to catch up, say hi, ask how we're all doing um, and it's just a really relaxed fun time so please feel free to join us, the details will be at the end of the video. Yeah, unfortunately you'll miss it if you're watching this as a replay on Facebook so maybe next week, join us on YouTube at 11 o'clock. Uh, on Tuesday, we have uh, Freedom Church Prayer, which kicks off at 7.30. Uh, for those of you who are Freedom Church members, the details will be on the Freedom Church Facebook group, and we'll also send it through as a text as well. And again, that is via Zoom. And on Wednesday, we have our Bible study. We're currently looking at the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. And um, that is also on a Zoom call for Freedom Church members. What isn't on a Zoom call these days? Not much, really. <laughs> All right, and so then another Zoom call we have on Friday, and that's for our youth. And that's something that you and Pete Gray uh, host. So why don't you tell the guys about that as well? Yeah, we love all our youth to join us on that call. We have a bit of fun. We encourage one another with God's word and we pray about the things that are issues for us and our families at this time and, and in the world. So it's a really good chance to connect in that way. So please, if you're youth, join us for that. Now what is the age That's for the youth? That is 11s to 16s and ish, then each bit, bit older. And what time? And that's at 7pm. All right, I think that's it now for the rest of the week. So you've got um, Hangout, 
then you've got Freedom Church Prayer, then you've got Bible Study, and then the youth have got something happening on Friday. So for the rest of us, please stay connected, uh, whether that via Zoom or using some of the more relaxed rules now, go out and visit somebody uh, in the park, but keeping socially distant and safe while you do so. Um, those hangout details will be available shortly, so you'll get the meeting ID number, uh, and then after that, we'll have details on how to give financially to Freedom Church. Okay, until next week, God bless, take care. Bye for now. <laughs>